Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 121. I'm your host, John Jordan, and a very happy joining me today is Wyeth Ridgeway from uh, Random Games. How's it going? Very good. Good, good. And um, the reason we're talking uh, today is uh, you are going to be talking about the uh, the Universe. I don't know if I've got, quite got the cadence right on saying that, but uh, but uh, really interesting project just been announced. You've raised $8 million in, in seed funding and you have some sort of a very interesting sort of... Uh, concepts and how you're going to sort of build this stuff out which is what we're going to be talking about in the podcast but uh before we do that should we find out a bit more uh about you so can you give us a bit of a potted history about what you've been up to in games um so far and the uh how you made it over to the uh i'm gonna say the dark side obviously with, with the light side um of, of blockchain games <laughs> absolutely um so i've been a cto of games for my basically my entire career left mm. uh, college went right into gaming did some virtual reality back in the 90s in virtual reality 1.0 uh, and then got into console gaming development and the last 20 years or so I've been running my own company called Leviathan Games as a CEO, CTO and uh, just the last, well let's see, last September uh, mm. I partnered up with another local gamer here in uh, Boulder, Colorado, Tony Harmon. Um, he's you know a legend in the game industry, worked with Dave Jones, another one of our uh, co-founders that's been in uh, uh, yes. they created Grand Theft Auto he's been working on Fortnite as a lead designer for a while so basically I've been dying to work with these guys we were trying to figure out the right project to work on together and you know when we saw NFTs erupting in, in public interest um, at least in the web 3 world hmm. we thought it, this is something really revolutionary there's a mechanism here that is unlike anything I've ever seen before, uh, not just in gaming, but just uh, mechanically yeah. in the in the ecosystem of marketplaces. And we thought we, we've got to take advantage of this. Um, so we came up with the Universe, which is really what we call a community-owned franchise. It's mm. uh, instead of walking away from the end of one of these licenses and uh, you know having Take Two or EA or Activision own it, um, which is you know what basically how the industry works. Where our vision is to give this to the community, and so we have some very progressive ideas on how to do that. But my whole background has been in licensed gaming. Uh, I've been working on titles like Pirates of the Caribbean. We just finished the WWE game for t Take Two. Um, a, lot, a lot of licensed gaming, and so I've I've experienced a lot of pain in <laughs> what it's like to work with licenses. Uh, royalties and minimum guarantees and trying to get content approved by licensors so again we're trying to reduce some of those pain points for developers and um, really come up with something marvelously new and different mm -hmm. in, in how it approaches uh, uh, franchises and how developers and, and uh, anyone really can can build inside of the universe mm -hmm. so I mean obviously there's a sort of I would say generally sort of 2021 there was a was the first time when lots of people who sort of um, sort of eyes were opened to sort of blockchain. Were you into crypto before that, or, or were you coming at it much more from a game point of view? And... Uh, so I want to say 2015, 2016, we started okay. experimenting with crypto. Yep. Uh, we had a couple of PlayStation 4s here that we bastardized into doing some block mining. And oh, really? uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Uh, we also did uh, some arbitrage software and, you know, I would say we dabbled. We, we, okay. we poked around looking, trying yeah. to understand the technology and trying to find what the opportunity was. Never thinking about it overlapping with gaming, frankly. Just thinking okay. that, you know, hey, this is something interesting. Hmm. Um, I really think when 
when NFTs came out with this promise, and actually, I, I hope we get to talk about this at length because I watched your podcast with Alex the other day, and mm-hmm. he brought up some very interesting questions which we have directly pushed solutions to. So I want to yeah. make sure that we talk about that because we're trying to do that for mm. the community in a broader sense. But yeah. the way the reason I got really interested in NFTs was this promise that. Uh, it was an alignment of goals between gamers, game developers, um, where if we continue to deliver utility over time, that drives value back to the, the game de- gamers and potentially extracts you know, some of the worst things from the game industry right now, which are platform fees, royalties, uh, you know, payments to, frankly, big franchises like Marvel and Disney and that sort of thing. Um, and then the worst one, honestly, the, the thing that's just sort of plagued the game industry for the last almost decade is user acquisition fees. Yeah. There, there was a time for most of my career where you could just make a good game and put it out on the market and start making money. And, uh, you know, you had to do marketing. But the yeah. industry has shifted. It's, I think last year the industry spent $23 billion on user acquisition. That money did not go to make any game one lick better. And uh, it really just extracted that money out of the game developers' pockets, meaning that your games are just inherently less fun to play. Um, And, you know, it's just, that's one of the things that we kind of want to go to the heart of. So this idea that, you know, we could take a dollar the gamer's willing to spend and more efficiently get that dollar back to the game developers and to the franchise content, that will be transformative to the industry. Um, And one of the examples that we've used in terms of giving, you know, like lay people uh, an interesting take on what an NFT could do is imagine if, you know, in the 1960s, 70s, when Stan Lee was making comics, uh, if he made a comic and sold it for 25 cents, but then every transact, every time that comic traded hands, you know, he made 3%, 4%, whatever, right? Like that's the promise of an NFT. And, you know, obviously some of those comics, you know, first edition, untouched, pristine copies could go for a couple of thousand dollars today. And, Mm. you know, if that was benefiting him or even if it was just benefiting Marvel, it's just an alignment of uh, long-term value proposition to whoever's controlling the franchise to say, hey, Mm. this franchise is still worth building. I'm going to continue working on it because I'm experiencing, you know, revenue from all of this additional work that we're putting into it. Uh, And, you know, there's just nothing like that. No, it's, it's, it's a very very good point and I think I mean, it's sort of funny I guess we don't have to go too far into, into this but you know this whole kind of NFT backlash from gamers was about some of these ideas they felt from a, from a you know I guess an economic point of view they sort of got the totally the wrong end of the stick and maybe this was, <laughs> maybe this was focused around some of these things were selling for you know what seemed like you know eight pictures for selling for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and that didn't seem to make sense in any way but but you know because they don't understand how the games industry sort of works. They don't realize all, like, all this money sort of pours into these sort of rent-seeking companies' pockets and not to the actual game developers. And, and so there's a sort of lack of understanding there amongst gamers about how the thing works and how NFTs as this sort of digital asset can... I mean, probably won't solve all the problems, but can make things considerably better than they sort of currently are. So it's a nice way of doing it. So let, let's... Um, we will talk about the NFT royalties, but before we get too far into, into that conversation, I can see you're sort sure. of dying, dying to go for that. Um, but uh, so one of the big things to sort of, um, you know, I guess you use it as your sort of, sort of elevator pitch sort of thing is, is that um, Universe is, is a Roblox for AAA developers. So that, that's a sort of a, mm-hmm. big, a pretty big statement, you know, that, um, you know, a, a slight sort of a, like, <laughs> suggesting people who are developing for Roblox are AAA developers, which we're not, not going <laughs> to discuss. But, um, but you know, Ro- Roblox for, for you know, um, 
game developers, um, <laughs> you know, that, that's quite a sort of ambitious sort of goal. So, you know, I guess, I guess you maybe thought about that a little bit, but you know, can you unpack that? You know, what yeah, does that mean? Sure. How, how, these, how these NFT assets allowing you to, 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 to do a sort of Roblox type sort of platform? Absolutely. Right? And why is, so, that, why, is, why is that more important? Why is that more exciting than the current Roblox platform, which obviously is very successful? I, to be fair, Roblox itself pitches itself as, hey, kids, come make some games, right? Yeah. So that's the real differentiation we're making there. We're pitching ourselves to game developers and saying, hey, game developers, mm. come use professional game engines and tools you know, that are, frankly, beyond most non-professional people and come make some games and we'll solve a host of problems for you. Mm. And so if you think about what Roblox does, it, uh, it provides an audience. Well, we're going to yeah. provide an audience. The same mm. way that a Kickstarter project might build an audience over years, we're going to be building an audience, and then we're going to turn that over to our developers. It also provides content, right? Now, granted, Roblox content is fairly simple, polygonal shapes and whatnot. We're going to provide AAA-quality content. Um, maybe I'll show you some teaser footage from one of our characters. But if you go to our website, universe.com, mm. you'll see the type of content we're talking about. And it is AAA, you know, movie-quality 3D heroes that are animated, that are physics surfaced, that have, you know, that are drop in to Unity and Unreal, the two major game engines. So we're providing content to anyone who comes and develops in the in universe. Mm -hmm. And that is accessed through an SDK that accesses our, our NFTs. So our proposition to game gamers is come buy a character. Like you want to play as Boba Fett, buy Boba Fett, you know, in our universe, our equivalent to that. Yeah. Um, you want to play as Wolverine, you buy a Wolverine, and then you can play all the games as him. So our SDK is what enables that for game developers. Hmm. And then to game developers, since we're providing all of the assets, source assets to them and saying, hey, you go make whatever type of game you want, typically multiplayer, you know, co-op versus games, uh, providing them very high quality content, which... Again, kind of the parallel to Roblox, you get some content, you get an audience, and then you get a way to monetize. That's the third thing. We are providing a way to monetize. And the way that we're doing that is by diverting half of all the revenue that we collect off of NFTs. Okay. And half of that goes directly back to a game development fund to pay game developers to make games in our, in our ecosystem. And the other half of that goes to us to make new hero characters, more game assets, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So it goes back to that promise I originally made is we want to figure out what is the most effective way to take a dollar a gamer is willing to spend and get it back to value that's driven to them, right? Like, is it more content? Is it mm -hmm. more games? And that's why we make that parallel uh, to Roblox. We, we try to provide those same solutions to the game developer and really just, uh, you know, ignite their ability to make a game very quickly. <laughs> And are you also making a game, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. We're, our, our current goal is to make the first three games. First three, um, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, and they will all be... Right now, we're pursuing something we call the Danger Room, which is uh, you know taken from X-Men. I don't know if you know the reference, but uh, the idea is that you can run around, use uh, melee weapons, distance weapons, and you can see it all working inside of the game engine so that we are communicating to the game developers and the players, this is what your character does. It's not just a picture or rendering that you know looks pretty. Your character loads up into our game engine. Every NFT character is unique in some way, and there's these rarity tiers, um, so some of them are quite extraordinary. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're basically saying, look what your character can do, now let's make him actually do some stuff. And so those things will look very much like um, competitive multiplayer games. We were just playing Left 4 Dead. We could see a parallel to a game like that. Um, we, were, we look at other games 
you know, there are vehicle games like, you know, versus uh, uh, Rocket League type of thing, uh, yeah. Battlefront, you know, yeah. the, there could be those types of games. Basically anything where there's a hero character and multiplayer yeah. fun, uh, you know, that's, that type of game would belong in the universe. Okay. And it, I mean, you're not, you're not released sort of an uh, enormous amount of, of, of sort of information so far, but it seems like, you know, you have a sort of a, quite a sort of strong sort of art style, at least for the stuff you've released and, and yeah. almost like a, a law. So yeah. I, I guess one of the things is, is how, is that going to be restricted for people who want to do something else or, you know, because obviously you want to make a good experience that sort of highlights what you're doing. Um, yep. But then equally, obviously other developers don't, you know, it would be a bit restrictive that they have to work in that universe as well. So how does that sort of, that sort of... Not, so not so I think you're looking at it backwards. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. If I yeah. imagine that I'm a developer and I go to the yeah. Epic Store right now and yeah. Epic's done a really good job acquiring content. And, you mm -hmm. know, if you type in wizard, you'll find yeah. a dozen different wizards, but they're all different styles. Yeah, yeah. And then if you type in knight and you type in cleric, you know, you will see options for all of those, but they don't mm. fit together necessarily, yeah. if, unless yeah. you're really lucky. Yeah. So you kind of have like a weird set of Legos that doesn't quite really make anything. Mm -hmm. And that is the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like despite having spent tens of millions of dollars, that's the real content problem facing a developer. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is here is all of this rich storytelling that mm -hmm. we have, uh, you know, some of the authors from Dune and Call of Duty and Star Wars, mm -hmm. like building a comic books and a compendium mm -hmm. novel. And you can see all of this in our news articles on our website. But we are franchise builders and we are trying to solve that problem for game developers to give them a rich environment with which yeah. to then start with. And the difference, I would say, yes, absolutely. We have an art style. We have an attitude. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's slightly more mature themed. We've yeah. made all those decisions constant, uh, consciously. Yeah. But again, to provide all of the framework to then let someone just start immediately creating and let that be compelling content that they're building. Mm -hmm. So if I gave you, you know, think of the difference of me giving you a G.I. Joe character that you mm -hmm. have emotional attachment and you know, oh, that is uh, Cobra Commander or whoever. And you've seen so many episodes with him. You know who he is and what he does. Right. Mm -hmm. And that emotional attachment's actually what makes licensing IP interesting. Yeah. That's what we want to give somebody. Whereas if I just go download off the Epic Store a guy that looks like, you know, he belongs in G.I. Joe, but you don't recognize him and you don't know anything about him. Well, okay. then it's a whole lot less, you, you know, mm -hmm. you've solved a much smaller part of the problem, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. But uh, and, then, and then I guess you sort of, at some point, sort of get into the issue of, you know, you're going to make three games. Obviously, there's a whole multitude of sort of styles of games, but, but, uh, how do you sort of balance the sort of competitive thing where you're sort of the, the fact you want anyone, the fact that, you know, whether it's a third party developer, or whether you guys are successful, that should, that should be good for the whole ecosystem rather than it sort of maybe being a assumption that the, for the third party developers coming in, well, they've made three games. They're sort of taking, they're, they're sort of acting like a publisher and I'm, I'm making stuff that's just going to sort of improve their, their sort of success. So how well, do you sort of get, I would get say... a sort of balance? Cause that's, <laughs> I would say uh, after that point, first of all, yeah. all of our game code will just be completely released. So think okay. of these as starting points okay. literally yeah, yeah. handed over to the gaming community, showing okay. them how to solve common problems like wall okay. navigation and, you know, uh, frame accurate, you know, firing mm -hmm. patterns for first person shooter weaponry and that sort of thing, right? These are starting points and they're thought of as that. So okay. Okay. Uh, our goal is not to be in the... Uh, continuous building of games it's to mm. say 
here, we did all of this all hard work for you. Now you guys go build stuff. Yep. So I think of it very much as a transitional phase in our company, you know, at some point many years down, but where we've taken all the risk out of the ecosystem. And to be clear, you know, yeah. I just want to give an idea to the extremes of the types of games that we've talked about. One of the thought exercises I, I do regularly is um, think about uh, the squid game. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you remember the game where it's like the stop go and everyone's yeah. just running across the field? That could exist in the universe. You know, like some game developer could say, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's go make that really quickly. They could take yeah. the improbable engine, like back end. They could mm -hmm. wire it up with our characters, basically yeah. throw a little bit of one environment together and yeah. some logic and have mm -hmm. 200 people running across, you know, this mm -hmm. thing and not have any idea how they're going to monetize it. Yeah. And because of the way our ecosystem works, we will hand them most of that content and we will mm -hmm. pay them for entertaining our audience. That's the sort of transformative way, you know, that I think about yeah. w what we are enabling game developers to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. But they, you will, the game developers won't be able to create their own NFT. So you will be sort of the conduit for that because you need that for the, the sort of art style. and the That's a very subtle hmm. problem that we need to, you know, we're on the frontier of figuring out how to do this. Yeah. I, I think certainly we're saying, you know, if you want to go build a hardcore crypto game and you have your own token and your own stuff for sale, we want you to be able to do that. Okay. You can't undermine no. what we are inherently providing, right? So mm -hmm. you can't take our SDK, download one of our characters, but then alter it somehow and sell it to someone, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm dancing over some complicated stuff that frankly it will take a while to figure mm -hmm. out, but we are in the business of enabling game developers to make good games. And if they want to monetize their game with a subscription or they want to monetize their game with in-game sales, we mm -hmm. are in the business of making sure that they can do that. And we don't even ask, there's no royalty they pay us, right? Okay. Like we are just providing this to them. In fact, we're providing the income source to them also. Yeah. So, okay. uh, you know, are there com complex issues there? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you will see a very forward thinking uh, terms of service, even in what we have today. Uh, there's a section of our website called assets where it basically says here is all the stuff in the universe it will show up on this page if you use it you can use it with these parameters you can go make a lunchbox you can go make a comic book do whatever you want you don't have to pay us anything mm -hmm. so we are trying to solve you know some some sort of really complicated yeah. intellectual property rights um honestly some of the most complex that i've been involved in having done ip products for 20 mm -hmm. plus years yeah. um but the idea is enabling people to do these things, mm -hmm. enabling gamers to do things, enabling artists to do things. And so you'll see us, you know, make continuous steps forward in that direction. Okay, cool. So let's, let's uh, probably a good opportunity to talk about sort of uh, this idea of sort of royalties and this whole thing going on at the moment, yeah. which we won't go into details. Um, discussed a lot in the last podcast with Alex Amstor about sort of NFT royalties and how marketplaces are having problems dealing with that and the knock-on effects it could have if people are basically relying on NFT royalties for their ongoing revenue. Um, so... How does that play into into what you're doing, which is, I guess, sort of the the say the flip side of, of my slightly facile question <laughs> previously? So, first of all, just my perspective on this: yep. we, along with an ocean of other creators, came into this ecosystem because it offered something really marvelous, yep. new, and different. Mm -hmm. And if you go look at the terms of service on OpenSea right now, as it with most of these portals, they basically take you through: this is how, as a creator, you get paid. Now, just to give the five-second version of what's going on is a lot of marketplaces are fighting their way to the bottom. I, I, 
X2, Y2 is the first one that jumped out at me is saying, hey, we're just not, you know, it's optional. We, maybe you don't pay creators anything. Um, and it was understandable why they did it. Frankly, it was shocking how quickly they took market share. And upon making that decision, obviously, they created a bunch of tension on other marketplaces to compete in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so right now, a lot of people are unfortunately learning the fundamental promise of NFTs wasn't actually enforceable in the blockchain. And that is that you, you know, I could sell you my NFT for $5 and the creator said they wanted 5%, but that wasn't enforceable. Um, my personal opinion is this is a short-term problem. There are technologies, several technologies I'm aware of, along with the, the approach we've taken, yeah. that sort of make big steps forward in actually enforcing this. But I think we're at a weird moment in time where there's this, a little bit of an existential crisis because if these marketplaces, like if the Rarible, OpenSea, you know, the handful of people who are still respecting these actually turned on creators and nobody was paying out creators anymore because yeah. it's technically optional. Yeah. What you're going to do is create an entire ecosystem of creators who are your evangelists for NFTs, right? Your frontline yeah. by this, you know, message is coming from creators. If you screw them all, probably tens of thousands of creators, you just shot all of your evangelists in the face. And then who's actually propping up this industry anymore, right? And that's the real risk here. I think this will fix itself on a technology basis. But if we don't immediately turn this tide and actually protect creators, then I think that we really risk setting back NFTs, which I ultimately believe are going to be successful. But we're going to set them back years in terms of, you know, basically we're going to have to drum up an entire new generation of creators who come in who weren't screwed by the last thing that yeah. happened. And that's the real risk here. But now how we address that, uh, several things that came up in your conversation with Alex actually danced directly into how we solved this. So our mm-hmm. smart contract for our Universe collectibles, which are free, all you have to do is go to our Discord and, and look for an airdrop and you'll get one. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our smart contract is built in two pieces. I'll dance around the mechanics of it a little bit, but you can go download the source code. We encourage other developers to adopt it. What we do is create a whitelist marketplace in our smart yeah. contract. So one of our smart contracts is the list and one of them is the actual NFT. And basically right now we have turned on OpenSea and Rarible because they both asserted mm. uh, that they will continue to respect creator royalties. We are hoping that Magic Eden, for example, um, when they support Polygon, which is our, mm. our current main chain, um, mm. that they'll come out and do what they said, which is support creator royalties once there is a solution. Yeah. This is a solution. So we could turn on their marketplace as soon as they uh, you know, agree to respect royalties. Mm. Um, and then you know, hopefully other creators adopt this sort of approach. Hopefully someone like X2Y2 starts getting pressure that in order to you know, play ball, they need to be doing things like this. But there was a very nuanced conversation you had with Alex about, um, you know, is there also a legal element to this? In our terms of service, you will see that we basically have a statement, I'm not a lawyer, I'm paraphrasing, that says, hey, we expect our users to use marketplaces that respect creator royalties. And if you don't, we reserve the right to disable their ongoing utility. Now, that last part isn't much of a statement if your utility is a PFP, right? What are you actually getting in terms of experiencing utility? Hmm. Ours, our view is, right, this is a game character. It has to load into games. If you 
break the utility, right? That is a moment to moment, day by day, you know, value back to the mm. gamer. And so them, you know, violating using a marketplace that doesn't respect creator royalties, us turning off that utility, that actually means something. So, you know, I don't think we're going to be running around, you know, as enforcement cops, but it's more about messaging. It's more yeah, about, yeah. hey, yeah. this is why we're in this. Mm. And creator royalties make sense both for the gamer because of the business model it props up, but also for the entire ecosystem. So let's play ball the way that everyone was promised from the start that this yeah. works. Yeah. And so uh, the only other thing I'll note is that I, there was something Alex said about enforcement and it kind of got me wondering, you know, could you do something like DCMA? I think I got those initials right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> ask for a takedown of your art project from, you know, a marketplace that's not respecting these. Uh, I, there might be something to that, which would yeah. be fascinating if people yeah. started issuing takedown orders to, you know, clear violators and then their collections weren't sold there. Yeah. I mean, this happened in Nap, you know, in the Napster era. This happened yeah. when game ROMs started getting pirated on websites. You know, so mm. there's a, there's also mm. an interesting legal exposure uh, mm. aspect to the problem as well. Yeah, I guess as sort of this, we discussed with, with Alex. I mean, the interesting thing about games is, as you mentioned, because they have this, you know, this sort of inbuilt utility that the point of the reason you want to own them is to access the game. Then obviously, right. games have <laughs> games just have a lot more ability to you know, to do something about it. And probably, you know, games will have inbuilt marketplaces where all the liquidity is because that's sort of, that fits within a game rather than people going to OpenSea to do these sort of things. So yeah, I just kind of feel games is sort of, a, have an advantage, I, I guess, over this. And we'll, we'll, yeah, so we'll see where, where it plays out. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, well, some, some, a lot of stuff in blockchain, you, it's, there's always something going on and I'm never quite sure, you know, is this going to be like a really big trend or is this going to be one of these ones that sort of everyone's talking about for a week and then sort of something else comes on and we never, we, we totally forget about it. Um, I, I, I'm I not sure, but <laughs> I, I will say if you take away creator royalties from yes, NFTs, then yeah. what you've done is cut off any, you know, VC money from game developers exploring new models and what are you yeah. going to end up with is you know the same closed marketplace yep. things that are you know that we consider web 2 right now yeah, yeah. yeah. it just stifles yeah. all innovation yeah. Yeah. okay um so in terms of um you mentioned there you have i think you've done an airdrop of five sort of our nfts at the moment and, and they are on OpenSea. Uh, if you want yep. to go and have a look at those um but more generally sort of where, where are you so you sort of announced the the funding um, uh, I think a couple of months ago, but sort of where are you in terms of sort of development and are there any things that we, uh, any th things you can publicly talk about in terms of what Well, what if you're next? good with me screen sharing, I will, go on then. Uh, go for it. I will leak out something, you know, pretty interesting here um, that kind of directly goes to that. So well, I have to say this, this is the first on the podcast, so I, I, I'm not quite sure whether, whether Riverside is going to, it's going to record your screen sharing, but we'll, we'll, uh, let's see what happens. Let's see, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy to drop you know, oh, it looks like it's recording. Yeah, it looks like I'll drop some equivalent of these links. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, secondary to this. Um, okay. But so, do you see this character on OpenSea here? Uh, yeah, there we there go. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So when people ask us, what are we actually building? We're building heroes yeah. like this. This character, yeah. his name's Ryu. You can read about his backstory, which is being released through a series of comics. Um, but you can see he's a fully three D game ready mm. avatar, right? Uh, we are not selling a picture of a thing. We're selling something that's ready to drop into games, movies, mm. you name it. Um, now, one way you can experience it is, you know, here in OpenSea. But then we also have a viewer that we're releasing later this month 
Um, and I'll show you a video from that. So this is inside of our game engine. This is Rayu coming through a portal. Uh, and then you can see us slowly orbiting here. And uh, this, if you equated us to a PFP project, you know, <laughs> this is what we're selling. I hate that, but it is an easy way to kind of think about what we're doing. But you mm -hmm. can see here, right? Like he's a, you know, AAA quality, million polygon plus model, yeah. ready to drop into a game. Um, and what we're doing is creating probably one of the more complex sets of metadata parameters that I'm aware of. I actually kind of question how, how you know, how OpenSea and other things are going to support how many metadata parameters we're putting out there. But you can see through these different tiers that are on the screen here, uh, we have both major categories of like common, le epic, yeah. legendary, right? And then they have their own matrix of color, emissions, lighting, yeah. all of these different things, right? Like when you have a copy of Ryu in the universe, you will have a unique copy of this. And that is ultimately what we're doing. Now we're cutting to some early in engine stuff where we're doing some lighting tests. Um, mm -hmm. This is going with a track that we call our game, uh, our danger room track. So yeah. here you'll okay. see some early work uh, with our danger room. So this is Ryu, right? Running through an environment, doing mm. the things that we need to make sure game developers understand you could do with this, right? Mm. When we say he's drop-in ready to, uh, you know, start building a game with, we want to show all sorts of types of games that you might be able to build with him. So mm. he's got distance weapons. He's got wall running, surface navigation. He's got melee weapons. Here's another one of our characters. This is Krisha. Um, She's a little bit less uh, developed in terms of her full, you know, matrix of visual complexity. But you can yep. see another environment here where, again, we're doing the physics work. We're doing yep. the, you know, the in-engine lighting work. All of those things that you would need that really make this, you know, have value to the game developer who's going to drop it in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what are we doing right now is uh, we are... We are distributing these things we call universe collectibles, which are interesting in their own right. Go to OpenSea, mm -hmm. look at the collection. Those are storytelling elements that I talk okay. about sort of like encyclopedia entries, right? Each one of them gives you a little glimpse about either backstory or something, you know, that exists, like a concept that exists inside the universe, but they're really just collectibles. Yeah. If you collect those, you will yeah. essentially, uh, you know, earn your way to, we say earn a whitelist, there's some nuances to it, but you'll basically get a Ryu and then all of these characters. We actually have uh, six characters in development okay. right now at mm -hmm. different phases. And, you know, if you looked at where we were two years from now, you know, imagine the whole lineup of characters from Game of Thrones or mm. Star Wars or, right, like we, or Marvel. We want to provide a robust set of characters that game developers get to use, you know, as their mm. Roblox building blocks, as we said in the mm. beginning. But mm. that's kind of where we are. So right now, the only thing we're asking our community to do is just keep their ears to the ground, look for... Mm. Uh, are completely free collectibles, right? Yeah. We, we drop links and then, you know, if, as long as you're paying attention and show up in the mint window, you'll yeah. get one of those for free. And ultimately that kind of works like a high scoreboard. Yeah. And that's all through Discord, is that correct? Uh, Discord and Maybe. Twitter. Yeah. You, yeah. Can, Twitter. you can follow, yeah. If you follow us on either one of those and pay attention, you'll, yeah. you won't be left out. Yeah. Okay. Um, but obviously get, uh, characters are sort of the, 
these or apex of, of, of any game until you spend a lot of time on those but yeah but obviously if you're building if you're you're basically you're building all the assets anyone would want to make to make a game so that there's a whole bunch of uh, much more clarify. mundane stuff Go on. that uh, no is kind of the subtle answer to that okay we are we are building these games and anything yeah. that we build will come yeah. out of that but we don't think of it as our responsibility to build okay. in like widespread environments and okay. right like we're not taking away all of the responsibility we are mostly focusing on characters again because it's that emotional attachment you get to yeah, yeah. you know me showing you john wick or me mm -hmm. showing you john darth Vader, right like that's the real that's both the hardest and most expensive problem to solve yeah. and then also the biggest payoff right mm -hmm. um you don't really care how the trees look or okay. you know the, the topography of a random planet that you know a story might happen on and and you know so I would not say that our vi our longer term vision is mm. all content right you okay. can go to the Epic Store and get okay. tons of tons of really good environment content right it is our longer term investment is is in providing characters and characters really is the way I describe them on a technical level as as platforms so okay. if you think of Ryu he is currently at platform 1.0 and he does you know a certain amount of things in terms of animations, in terms of waiting. Ryu 2.0, which we will build because we have ongoing interest in making Ryu more functional, will actually have all of the lots to go down to mobile games. Um, it will start to introduce full facial rigs. Um, it will start to do voice, you know, attaching voice talent to him so he can say basic things. So, you know, we're really looking at this as a long-term investment over potentially decades of, mm -hmm. you know, why, if you buy Ryu as an NFT today and you think about where he needs to be eight years out, the fundamental shift in texture mapping, in mm -hmm. materials, in, you know, like those are all our responsibilities to maintain to make sure he stays relevant. So he will, you know, topographically change to some degree to adapt to new technologies. And that's part of the alignment of our incentives and goal, right, with the players. It's like we're saying, yeah, he's going to get better and better and better. And that's why new game developers will keep coming in and using him. And so, and so I guess the in-between high-end characters and sort of, sort of scenery and stuff, things, things like sort of guns, skins, vehicles... Had it, had it, have you got a view? I think, I think you'll see us take on all of that. I mean, okay. uh, honestly, one of, again, one of our, I don't know, this will be one of our first three games, <clears throat> but we internally talk about a Mario Kart partially because of Tony's oh, really? Nintendo background. <laughs> we yeah, talk yeah. about like a, a death race Mario Kart, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's clearly vehicle based, yeah. um, sci fi vehicle based, where the character, so your character, you'd have to buy a vehicle, mm. you'd have to buy a character, and together that's a set that you can play the yeah. game with you know, with their own little unlocks and whatnot. And yeah. that's one of the thought experiments we use. So c could we include vehicles? Absolutely we will. Um, mm. Space vehicles too, right? Weaponry, yeah. little cosmetics, all those sorts of things. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. We are, you have a, a lot a lot to be doing. Obviously, we'll, uh, we'll have to come come back and, uh, and see how you're getting on at some point in the future when you're, uh, I don't, don't know, I don't know what time frame you're working for, but probably. Um, Probably there, there are no public dates, I assume, at the moment. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll skate over that. There are both. Uh, <laughs> there's a non-stop deliverable, you know. It's okay. but we also yeah, yeah. are looking in this, like I said, in the five, ten-year yeah. range, right? So, yeah. uh, there are both short-term and immediate goals, and yeah. you know, longer-term objectives too. I think I will say, we plan to handpick a couple of developers within okay. 
the first two years that will work with us uh, in a you know more close relationship. But our mm. real goal is to get this SDK out to game developers generally okay. in a two, maybe two and a half year time span, at which point, you know, you could just build yeah. something and not even talk to us as a company if you okay. wanted to. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Keep an eye on that. Well, yeah. thank you very much. That was, that was great. We got into some detailed stuff. We got to see a big vision and we got a Universe. That's a, <laughs> it was a wonderful time here. <laughs> cool. Uh, so uh, thank you very much uh, to uh, Wyeth for his time. Thank you. And uh, thank you to you guys for uh, either, well, I guess we have to say for, for this podcast, if you were just listening to the audio uh, version of it, you're going to have to go to YouTube and, and uh, find Blockchain Gaming World and watch the, uh, the, the actual video one this time because we actually have some, some exclusive content. So that was, that was exciting. Uh, but we, whatever way you can tune the podcast, thanks very much. Um, please subscribe to the channel. Every, in every episode, we're talking to people who are really building out this um, so what I think is sort of fascinating new approach to gaming, which is you know something we've never really seen before. And I think you can see, hopefully, with the people that I interview, they're very enthusiastic about this sort of new opportunity. Even if they are maybe maybe somewhat grizzled individuals in the games industry, we can blockchain is is inspiring them to to think up new ways of making great games. So um, hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, and come back next time, see what's going on in the world of blockchain gaming.